welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, the fading uh, ingenue, Stephen Buja, and joining me is the up-and-coming ingenue, Amy Thomason, who will undoubtedly one day replace me. Amy, how are you doing? Now, how could I replace you? I don't, you know, you know Never. things. You're, you're, you're good at stuff. How are you doing? I am good, and I am chomping at the bit to talk about this terrific film. Yes, you, uh, you, you were, you were rightfully, rightfully upset at me that I had never seen this movie before. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But I think from the moment we started communicating, you were saying how great this movie was, and mostly just to get you to shut up. I was like, you know what? We should do this. We'll 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 toss her a little. We'll toss her a little treat and 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 see what happens. So, what is your history with this movie? With all about Eve? I can't really remember the first time I saw it, but I have seen it many many times. I have seen it parodied. Oh yeah. Many times. Um, I've watched clips. I've watched documentaries on the making of it. It's it's one of the major ones now. As I've said before, I do not come from a long line of film historians and film buffs. So my parents haven't seen it either. But I realize, as you have, Mr. Buja, that I am an evangelical movie watcher. That if I think a movie's great, I will nag people <laughs> until yeah. they watch it. Practically at gunpoint. You proselytize greatly. Thankfully, we are in different I states. Do with, I do it with books and I do it with films. And... I basically told my parents they're not allowed to listen to this podcast until they actually watch the movie. Cause I'm like, no, this legitimately is a good one. I had a coworker recently ask me, Oh, is something about some classic film? He's like, Oh, but you like all classic movies. And I said, false. I do not like all classic movies. You like the good ones. I like the good ones. Right. Exactly. Which I which on, on that note, I will say, we have this rosy sense of the past in, in movies where like, oh, they made, they didn't, they made them so great back then. Yes. They made a lot of crap too. And it's just that the cream rises to the top. You don't hear about all the innumerable amount of shitty B movies that were made during, in the studio system during the time. You just remember All About Eve. You remember, you know, The Lost Weekend. You remember all of these great films because those are the ones that are worth remembering. So when people say like, oh, movies are crap these days, in 30 years, we're going to remember the really good movies and the stuff that gets, the stuff that is not great, that we know is not great, is just going to fall by the wayside and we will be left with the warm fuzzies of now. And even if you look at the Academy Award winners, the decade that brought you Marty on the waterfront and All About Eve also brought you Around the World in 80 Days and Gigi... And the greatest show on earth. So <laughs> I, thought you li- I thought you liked Gigi. You gave me shit for Gigi. I did not give you shit for Gigi. It is a cute movie. That is as far as I'm willing to okay, go. It is okay. cute. However, the Learner and Low musicals, see, now we're crossing into theater. There we so- go. Camelot sucks. My Fair Lady sucks. Spoiler alert, Gigi also sucks. <laughs> it was totally for- is completely forgettable. The music is lame. And you have Leslie Caron, who's charming, and that's it. But man, girls on fire! But I believe also was that eight Academy Awards it won or something. It won some ridiculous amount. It won a lot. Yeah, and My Fair Lady 
spoiler alert for when we do that, came out the same year as Dr. Strangelove, Beckett, and Zorba the Greek. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good I mean, year. Some of the greatest movies ever made, and they give it to me. But I'll hold on to that for now. Well, okay, but no, it's just a little, a little, it's a little uh, preview of things to come. But uh, just to prove that just because it's a musical, it does not a classic make, okay. nor a great movie make. Right. But when something is about the theater, I'm sure you are one to notice. When, and when it stars Betty Davis. Who, let's face it, everybody loves. I do not love Betty Davis. And the bitchier and more unlikable she is, the more you love her. <laughs> well, she's really great at that. She's really great at that. My uh, my history with uh, All About Eve is exactly what I said. I uh, had never seen it before. I knew it was one. I knew it was one of the. It was one of those big ones that is, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, very unheralded in terms of the Oscar. Circle. I, I don't know why. Watching this now, I go, what? why is why are we not singing this movie's praises all the time? I'm shocked you have. I'm still surprised you haven't seen it. I can't believe you host a podcast about Academy Award it winning is, films. And okay, you honestly, it is. I did this podcast for two reasons. One, um, because I appeared on my friend's podcast, which is the only movie about uh, the only podcast about movies, starring uh, my uh, old co-conspirator Matthew Kroll. And I really like doing that, but he didn't invite me on enough. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to do my own podcast. And two, because I really wanted an excuse to watch the Academy Award winning movies. And that is, that is literally the origin story of this, of this podcast. Yeah. It's fine. But um, Yes, so we are going to take a short break, and then we are going to talk about the 1950 Academy Awards and the record-setting. All about to the stage to accept awards for the best motion picture of 1950, All About Eve. This picture received 14 nominations for Academy Awards this year, setting a new record. Thank you very much. I've said it all, and I want to thank, again, everyone at 20th Century Fox, and particularly, I want to thank someone that you've already well rewarded tonight. Thank you, Joe. It's time for the trumpets to sound the long salute to the film achievements of 1950. The Academy thanks you in the audience and you listening over the air for your interest in good pictures. It is a high privilege to serve you. Good night. The 23rd Academy Awards were held on March 29th, 1951 at the old RKO Pantages. Fred Astaire hosted, and it was lovely, and All About Eve was the heavy favorite going in because for the very first time, the first of three times, All About Eve was nominated for 14 Academy <laughs> Awards. Uh, just a pop quiz, what were the other two films that were nominated for 14 Oscars? 
Titanic and Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King? Ah, no. Lord ben of the Rings. Nope. Nope. Titanic, yes. La La Land was the only other film nominated. That's for right. 14. I should have known that. Original the first Lord of the Rings was nominated for thirteen. Return of the King was nominated for eleven and won eleven. Uh, but I but, but I do, but I do believe that um, due to the overwhelming technical prowess of Titanic, Titanic would be the only film that could actually have won all fourteen uh, wins, as opposed to All About Eve, which had a couple of uh, a couple of uh, repeats. It was nominated uh, in two categories in particular for two of the folks, so it won Best Picture. It won what else? Best director for Joe Mankiewicz. Yes, his uh, second in a row. He won the previous year for, I think it was about, no, not about. It was A Letter to Three Wives. That's it. Right. Yes, he's one of the, he's one of, um, he's one of, uh, again, one of three directors who has won back-to-back, the other being uh, John Ford, How Green Was My Valley, and uh, what was the other one that we saw? Whatever and uh, uh, Green was my valley and uh, the one uh, the, the the quiet man. Maybe let's go with that. Either way, either way and uh, and uh, in a in, in a redo for Birdman and then the Revenant that, that year. Okay, but moving on, moving on. Winners, winners, winners. What do we got? Director, director. Best screenplay, best costume design, best sound recording, and best supporting actor for George Sanders. Addison DeWitt, the uh, most critical, critical critic uh, that has ever graced the screen and been an object of criticism. He's Who came to a tragic end in real life. Do you know yeah. how he died? Suicide. He committed suicide. Yeah, it's, uh... He's not a guy. Not happy. He had he had a tough life. He had a lot, lots of marriages, drinking. I think he had a minor stroke. Had a, uh, I think he said um, uh, um, he, he said he's leaving because he's bored. Yeah. Like if that's not if that's not like a solid middle twentieth century dude thing to say on your suicide note, I don't know what is. But uh, the Grace of Wrath. That was the other one that John Ford. That won. was it. Of Thank course. you, Corey. Sorry, my brain was Let me move on with my life until I figured that out. Yes, but uh, so that's all great. That's a George Sanders winning. He broke down. He cried when when he won. That's 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 all well and good. It's fabulous. This is the fifties. This is the forties and fifties. Nobody cares. Nobody cares when the dudes win anything. This we. It's not about. This is totally all about politicking. It's probably not even about the best movie. It's about what are the ladies going to do. And uh, this is the first and so far only film in which four women have been nominated. For both acting awards, Best Actress and Supporting Actress, neither went home, none of them went home with an award that evening, but that didn't stop the papers from talking all about it. We'll start with Best Supporting Actress, which was, was, was also nominated for. Celeste Holm mm-hmm. and Thelma Ritter, who was nominated like a ridic- like five times in a row for Best Supporting Actress and never won. Yes, this was this was this I believe was the start of that of that run for her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we got uh, Karen and uh, what was uh, her name in the movie? Oh, what? I don't uh, know. She played the maid. I always forget her name. Yeah, Birdie. Was it Birdie? Birdie. I think so. Something like that. Uh, who just is one of those? Is one of the? Is one of those? 
it's a Miss Danvers character who, but if Miss Danvers was fun from Rebecca, she totally, she totally nails that. Uh, they lost to Josephine Hull in the charming movie Harvey, which I have not seen that, but I've heard it's good. Oh, Har- uh, Harvey's lovely. I mean, James Stewart playing against an invisible rabbit. You're like, of course, of course, it's going to happen. But uh, the big, uh, the big one this year, and well, this year, 2018, and that year was the race for Best Actress, which had, if I do say so say so myself, some great names. You had Ann Baxter, All About Eve. The great Betty Davis, All About Eve. Eleanor Parker in Caged. And Gloria Swanson Woo-hoo! in Sunset Boulevard. Her return to power, her return to fame. And of course, what happens? Like the movie itself, like the like the Sarah Siddons Award, it goes to the young upstart harlot in her basically one of her first movies, uh, the beautiful Judy Holiday in Born Yesterday. That's just the way it is. Uh, it's such a great year. Such a great year. It's a great year. This was one of, I believe. Ten Academy Award nominations for Betty Davis, the first act, the first actor of any stripe to get into the double digits. She had won previously for um, Jezebel. Jezebel and a movie called Dangerous. Yes, a movie called Dangerous. She was uh, there was a time in the forties, I think it was from forty two to forty six, when she was nominated every single time, like every single year, because she's Betty Davis. Didn't win any. This was uh, this was going to be one of her. This is like one of her big, her big roles. This is this is the one they show when we're talking about Betty Davis. You, you show you show her all about Eve. And I'm looking at this at this list and go, shit. I don't I I, I don't know how you you pick. That I've one. only not seen one of those movies. The Eleanor Parker movie was the only movie on that list that I haven't seen. I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, but I I know. Judy Holiday is great. She's uh, she's wonderful, and the Academy, yes, does have a, uh, a tendency to award younger actresses the award for, I guess, a potential career, or at least, shall we say, a shortened career. Because, as we will talk about in the uh, in the movie, maybe the, the the shelf life of a female actress is much shorter than uh, her male counterparts. But how did this not go to Gloria Swanson? I... That's my question. I don't know. We'll hopefully try and figure that out as we as we as we go. She's so great in that movie, and this and we'll and we'll we'll of course get to it. Um. So, all about Eve. One, it won. It won six out of four. It won six out of fourteen. A a fine haul uh, for any film uh, when you think about it. Uh, I think uh, like King Solomon's Mind picked up a couple of things, etc. Yeah, it sort of all went around. Sunset Boulevard also won a uh, a writing award. But what were the other nominees for Best Picture that year that All About Eve had to win? Father of the Bride with Spencer Tracy and just the impossibly lovely circa nineteen fifty Elizabeth Taylor. King Solomon's Mind, which I've never heard of. Really, never heard of? Oh, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great adventure movie. Never heard of that movie. Oh, Born Yesterday with uh, Miss Holiday and William Holden, yay! Yay. And Sunset Boulevard, which I'm gonna try to hold back 
and repress my feelings about Sunset Boulevard. Right, that's fine. That's fine. Also starring William Holden. Also starring William Holden. Also starring your son. Yes. But Born Yesterday has William Holden wearing glasses and is extremely charming. Okay. That's... He's very he the glasses really do him justice. Hey. Men with glasses. They got it going on. Yes, they do. Uh, and finally, what was the what was the basically the big contender? Sunset Boulevard. Yep. It. This is one of those times when you see you know you know how the like the, basically the same movie comes out in a year. You have Rob Roy mm-hmm. and Braveheart. You have Armageddon, Deep Impact. Uh, this is the more classy version of that. It's it's like when No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood came out like. Well, shit. Why are why did we why are you not releasing one of these slightly later? Because these are two of the best movies of the decade. We want to award both of them, but we can only award one. This is this is that movie. They're both uh, all about Eve and Sunset Boulevard. Are both about Hollywood. And... Not even just the best films of the fifties. Really, the probably in the top ten. I would say ever made. They are definitely on the AFI list. I, both films are in the National Registry for Historic and whatnot in the they're perfect examples of film like if you could only have show somebody 20 movies and be like these are the best examples of what movies have to offer i would say both of those would be on the list right that's right. my so, list you know so like i'm just thinking like okay next year what wins american in paris nobody knows that movie <laughs> that's year another musical that sucks you're after that greatest show on earth like okay why and then and then it's from, from here to eternity okay so why didn't Someone just decide, wait, this all about Eve? We'll release that this year, and then we'll release Sunset Boulevard next year, so we can both win. No, we had to release in the same year. I, I, I get it, I understand, but oh, just to not to not see Sunset Boulevard with Best Picture on it, I feel is a crime of the I highest agree. order, and we, it didn't have to be that way, because we didn't, we didn't need Greatest Show. But I think Earth. they're very interesting reasons why it did not win what is that it is it really kind of trashes hollywood it's not a it's not la la land where it isn't hollywood glamorous and it's so pretty and let's love hollywood because it's wonderful it shows these faded film stars it shows gloria swanson who and the greatest thing about this is that gloria swanson what essentially was norma desmond In the 1920s, Gloria Swanson was like it. It. She was big. And here she was decades later, and it showed Buster Keaton, who's this old, there's practically dust on him. And it's a very, very ugly, ugly look at Hollywood. Yeah. It's not sentimental at all. And there's really no heroes in the movie. The two leads have their moments but you know there's no one ever, yeah, there are no good characters to root for in, no in that, but it's not joe gillis's like friend he's a great guy okay yeah that's true that's true but that's really kind of it it's a, it's not a very optimistic film no but that's what makes it great you know because it's happening during the uh uh, during the code, the the Hayes Code year, we're getting the uh, the HUAC is in full swing. Like it's a, it's 
a movie that I think is, is, is appropriate. But you know what? We're not here to talk about. But it didn't win Best Picture, though. But what? I think that's why it didn't win Best Picture. It's, it's probably not. But then why didn't? But then why didn't? Why didn't La La Land win Best Picture? Because that was all about. That was all about. I would say going, going, going down on, uh, going down on Hollywood. Feelings, national feelings in the country that were going on at the time might have given Moonlight more of an edge. That's probably true. That's probably true. But, I loved Moonlight. Not knocking it, but not knocking it. Not, oh, I do. I, I enjoy Moonlight. You can listen to our episode on that one. Okay, so you got two of the best films ever made. Certainly about the entertainment industry. We'll say. What else was released in 1950 that could have possibly gone up against these? Any is there is there anything that anything released that was not nominated for best picture? I really looked at this list. I came up with a couple, but none of them even really compared. The Asphalt Jungle is a pretty important film. Uh Harvey is a yep. classic. And then the only reason I put Sereno de Bergerac is because it won Best Actor that year, so probably had the critical acclaim thing going on. But really, no, none of them. I really was. Anything. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. It's good. It's fine. Uh, there is. Uh, there are two that I will say could stand up. The Third Man. Oh, I didn't know that came out that, that year. Came, yes, that came. That came out that year, and. Uh, it is a foreign movie, Rashomon, the uh, influential and incredible Akira Kurosawa uh, movie about perspective, shall we say, it was totally, uh, one, one of the, again, like, to have All About Eve, Sunset Boulevard, and Rashomon uh, released in the same year, I think is, that's, that is automatically a good year. And then you throw in Cinderella, Cinderella is actually a very lovely animated movie. That came out in 1950 it's... as well. And that shit is hard. It's hard to make animated movies, especially back in the day. But, but Rashomon did win uh, Best Foreign Picture. Yes, so. it did. Yes, it did. Which is, which is great, but at the same time, like, I, I would put that up, 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 against, uh, uh, up against these. I don't know. Like, in, that, in that case, I don't know what would win. I'd be like, I don't. I, I'm Again, one well. of the best movies ever made. So Yes. Absolutely. The rest of the rest of it, uh, you got a lot of fun, fancy stuff like Rocket Ship, Rocket Ship XM. I uh, don't know that movie, but that's that sounds like it could be it could be fun. It could be fun. So that is uh, that is all that's all I have on uh, all about Eve's Oscars and that particular award show. Do you have anything you would like to add? Uh, just some of the other things it was nominated for. Yeah. Uh, best best cinematography, black and white. Best art direction, black and white. Best film editing, best score. Music was. Just wanted to get all of them in there to finish the list. Film editing. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that. It helped. I think this this movie and honestly, Sunset Boulevard helped bring Hollywood into the modern age. I think with the way its editing was. Uh, so I'm uh, looking forward to talking that, about in that. Cinema- Photography, definitely. Delightful. But you know, when you're filming such beautiful people, it's easy to make it. Uh, it's easy to make things shine. So, folks, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss finally and at great length, I am sure, 
all about you. Now, I don't suppose the heater runs if the motor doesn't. It's silly, isn't it? You think they'd fix it so people could just sit in a car and keep warm? About Eve. I've acted pretty disgracefully toward her, too. Well, don't fumble for excuses. Not here and now with my hair down. At best, let's say I've been oversensitive to her. Well, to the fact that she's so young, so feminine and so helpless. To so many things I want to be for Bill. Funny business a woman's career. The things you drop on your way up the ladder so you can move faster. You forget you'll need them again when you get back to being a woman. It's one career all females have in common, whether we like it or not. Being a woman. Sooner or later, we've got to work at it. No matter how many other careers we've had or wanted. And in the last analysis, nothing's any good unless you can look up just before dinner or turn around in bed and there he is. Without that you're not a woman. You're something with a French provincial office or a, a book full of clippings. But you're not a woman. All about so is a sort of dark satire look at the theater, Hollywood, Broadway, aging, what it means to be an actor, and what it means to be getting old. What else? Uh, give me a give, give me a plot. This what happens in All About Eve? Tell me, tell me, tell me. As a basic plot, um, a young, hungry up-and-comer sort of charms her way into the life of an already established actress and starts to usurp her life. Yes. The young up-and-comer is the great and uh, very, very attractive Anne Baxter. The uh, age starlet, the one, the only Betty Davis as uh, Margot Channing in perhaps one of her greatest roles, along with a fun cast of characters, includes writers, directors, critics, the whole works set in the world of theater, set over, I believe, just a course of a season. But, as we know, Season can feel like a lifetime. What? Okay, we'll, we'll, just jump, we'll just jump right into it. What does the movie have to comment on with regards to aging? In particular, the art of female aging and how actresses are treated as they grow old. Well, I think... Some of the things that I found interesting and something that I could kind of relate to, um, Margot Channing isn't just of a certain age. She's established herself. She's brilliant. And she's friends with this playwright. And the playwright keeps writing these young roles. So it's not like she's famous, but she's playing roles of women her own age, like Meryl Streep is. Right. But And she's supposed to be like a Meryl Streep kind of an actress, like the – Broadway actress, but she keeps playing these 20 year olds and she's starting, even if Eve wasn't in the picture, Margot Channing's already starting to feel, wow, he wrote another role for a 20 year old and I'm in my forties and RP, how long are people going to buy this? She also is with a younger man. 
Yes. Which definitely heightens the sense of insecurity. She's not with a guy who's her age, who kind of is also aging and they've been through it. He's a younger man. And that kind of hit home for me because my husband is 32 and I am seven years older than he is. So <laughs> You don't want to say it. You're like. No. So when she so when she makes the specific comment on Bill's always going to be thirty two, I was like, "Hey, Zach's thirty two. How <laughs> crazy!" Uh, as, as someone who is in a relationship with an, uh, my wife is uh, four years four years older, we always uh, there is that there is that sense of I will always be the young one, even though I'm now yes. thirty five. I'm like, oh, it's, like my like. Things are starting to starting to hurt, but yeah, it's um. And my husband is a very young thirty two. He looks like early twenties, thirty two. Wow, well, good. The bastard. No, just kidding. That is that is that, that that clean living you got going on down there. It is. It but is. Yeah, it's um. I think this is so. This is a this is a it's a it's a theme. I think as old as the theater itself. The uh, you know, you know how one deals with aging uh, femininity uh, that I, I think has never been ex- has never been explored in quite this way until this movie but has been explored very long you know tooth and nail it's been we've we've gotten a lot of it in the in the in uh, after this due to all of the like the, the parodies and uh, homages that a lot of other things have had Margot Channing uh, you know is a great actress and it's hard for me to really to ever relate to it because I will, I will, I will literally never be in her shoes. But uh, and a, a lot of times I was thinking I, when she was saying some pithy line, I was like, oh, and like oh, yeah, you're just you're you're being like you're being you're being over melodramatic, Margot. But you actually make a good point. Like it's not her; it is actually uh, Lloyd, the writer, who is mm-hmm. who is doing this to her. He he's. He's forcing her into these these roles that aren't that are are not suited for her, as uh, and that is one of the themes of movies is the how the the patriarchy and how society, especially the heteronormative society of the 1950s, where you know you know every you know woman is supposed to be 21 forever, can really do a number and drive people, especially women. Especially older women who are Margot. And by the way, Margot is forty. I think she says she's like forty, just four zero mm-hmm. in this, but she still feels it. And forty now is now the new twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, it it's a lot more than just this young this young lady this young girl this this Eve Harrington if that is her real name <laughs> coming up and 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 manipulating and insinuating herself into. Margot's life. You can read it that way, and you can watch it. You can watch this movie just on the surface, mm-hmm. and be entertained beyond all get out. Because, oh, good lord, the the lines that are tossed around here are brilliant. They but, could have gone up against the cast of The Lion in Winter, as far as like brilliant verbal sparring oh, goes. Oh, any day, any day. They like. There's so many times where I was like. Damn. Yeah, they do. They don't. They don't. They, they might not. They might. They might make them kind of, sort of like this. But they sure as hell don't write them like this anymore. There's no. a, there's a there's a repartee here, a speed and a wit that is uh, that is astounding. Um. So, patriarchy, uh, in sort of enforcing how all of this gets, 
you feel you feel you feel for I think literally every woman in this in this movie. You feel from Karen, although I gotta say, Karen, come on, you're Karen's the worst. Like, can we can we agree that Karen is kind of the worst? She's like terrible. It's it's all it's all it's all her fault. It's all her fault. Who needs enemies when you've got friends like Karen who are literally doing things that are gonna wreck your career? Seriously. For the for the for a joke or the best, she sabotages a car so Margot can't get back for us before it's Karen's the worst, but Karen and get away with it. Yeah, she gets away. And Karen is absolutely like the the agent of the patriarchy. She's that. She's that. She's the woman that you know doesn't like other women because you know, or like who? She's the woman who will vote straight down for Donald Trump, even if Donald Trump's policies are screwing her over because you know she's like that's like that's how she's been brought up by now. You're about to side note. Did you? I thought this, and maybe it's just how women looked at the time. Did you think she also looked significantly older than her husband? Because her husband seems to be played by a very young guy, and she just seemed older than him. And I don't know if that was on purpose or if that's just how I interpreted it, because maybe women in the 50s tended to look older because of their clothes and their hairstyles. But I was like, she too, because the guy who plays the playwright, Bill, looks young. I think right. he looks like the youngest guy in the movie. He looks like early twenties. Right. Right. He's right. Um, I did. Not, I did not notice that, but um, considering I, I believe the uh, the costumes was uh, the great Edith Head, um, eight eight or nine time Academy Award winner, one of the greatest costumers of all time. Definitely. I. There, I am. I am sure that was done specifically. Like, like Karen is Karen. Karen's very buttoned up. She's very. She looks very mature, yes. mature as it were. I, I didn't get. A, I had absolutely no idea how old she was. I didn't even think about me it. Just like she's. It she's, just kind of hit me because the guy who plays the playwright and the director, Bill, both uh, look very, very young. The only man who seems of age is the great George Sanders. Right. But there's there's a reason for that. Um, so, actually, on that, uh, I was I was doing I was doing research on this on this film, uh, and one thing that did not strike me because it was so under the under the layer under the text there was that this is, and let and I'm going to ask you a question: Do you think this movie is in some ways homophobic? I didn't pick up on that even though George Saunders's character is very feminine. Yes. Which is why at the end when he does the whole I own you thing, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Is he into her? Or does he really I mean, he doesn't seem like he he ever like need a woman, but I but to me it just seems like I own you, not I love you, but right. I'm just going to control you. And like make your essentially make your life miserable for my own personal gain. Right. It's and, and it's a it's a it's a distinction that I I didn't pick up and uh, on until until I read about it and go oh right, um, Margot is married, Karen's married, the men are the men are married, Eve and Addison are defined. Outside of the tradition at the time, mm-hmm. they are, uh, you know, Eve is this like, 
usurper, this very hungry uh, harlot would probably be the word for her. And Addison is this cold and cynical, as you say, very effeminate man. And they and they come together. It's not it's not about sex or love or anything. It's about what can the other do for me, and how do I use that to my advantage. So that's why Addison is saying, "I own you." It's not not I love you. He doesn't care about her. She could be walking around in a negligee in their apartment, and I think he would not. He he would not care. But what, he wouldn't. What, he seems beyond. He seems almost asexless. Not. Not effeminate in like a stereotypical 1950s homosexual kind of a way, but just like, I don't even need that bullshit in my life. I just like to, to screw with people. Right, right. And it's, and it's, a, it's, it's very, it's very subtle. And it was, it's been written about in, in, in a lot of books. And I go, oh, this is the, because at the time we had the, uh, the Hayes Code, which prevented the depiction of homosexuality, yeah. even couples staying in the same bed as you remember Karen and her husband on like opposite <laughs> sides of the room I was like whoa oh right because because we're doing that and they're so, like college buddies yeah but and so what I admire about a lot of the filmmakers especially uh, 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 Mankwitz is that he's able to take all he's able to work around this uh, this barrier to tell to telling the story once by Using visual cues and 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 other and other things to really enforce the story he wants for the audience. If you if you want if you want to search under again, you can just watch this as uh, this this woman who's trying to trying to become Marco Channing, or you can read it as there is some light. There is actually a very strong defense of the status quo happening. In terms of sexuality and, and enforcing the traditional gender roles that Addison and Eve are are breaking and are uh, they aren't exactly punished for it, but they kind of end up with each other because that's what they deserve. They deserve to kind of like be unhappy. In the end, Margot's happy and everyone's everyone's kind of happy because everything's fine. But there's this uh, there's a sense of unease about the success that Eve and Addison are going to have certainly like right up until the very last scene where it's all tenuous. But I don't necessarily see DeWitt as like getting any kind of comeuppance. You know what I mean? I think, and and it might it might have undertones of like maybe homosexuality. I don't think it seems homophobic though. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But I think one thing that is really sad is that. Once Margot gets married, she's like, I don't need to act anymore. I'm right. happy. I can just be. A-. And she specifically says that I'm happy and I'm just going to cook meals for my man and I'm overacting. And it's like, what? and we're all supposed to think that that's the quote unquote happy ending. Like she's over it. She's over that phase of her life. And now she can focus on just being a happy housewife, which is. Sorry, transferring to another movie about a woman doing that is His Girl Friday, where she wants to give up being a reporter so she can just be a wife because right. that's really what's happy. And you're like, I guess. So it's like, yeah, you know what? Eve got everything she wanted. So right. it's not necessarily, I would definitely wouldn't necessarily say that they were punished. I mean, 
Well, they, they, they might not be the happiest person, but she got her success. She's the big thing. Right. They end up they end up with the people they deserve. Addison yeah. and Eve deserve each other, and Eve, I do, I do, I love the, I love the ending when uh, Phoebe shows up and is in her apartment, and I'm like, Asleep. and I'm like, yes, this is this is it because the cycle is just always going to continue. It's uh. And then it, it's, it's sort of like this is this is where I think the modern idea of a super fan sort of came from. And mm-hmm. I was like the entire time I was watching this because we have now had 70 some odd years of hearing horror stories about what fans can do. And, and the Internet has only made it worse. I go, man, they are just not equipped for this level of fucking crazy that's ha- that's that is oh. right there they're just like oh, it was yeah. in her room asleep i mean i was like on what planet nowadays would that happen she just snuck in and she was just gonna sit there it's like she had access to all of her stuff i mean that's really scary how that didn't end with one of them being shot eyes is, is beyond me i like i like i honestly wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been surprised if it had ended with uh, violence because nobody actually dies, and it's actually a very, very tame movie. But I, I do like how Addison is his his final words is like, "You want it, you you want that statue? Go just ask Eve. She know she can tell you all about how to get it." I'm like, oh, "That's so much more delicious than this crazy lady shooting Eve. This is great." It really was. It was a nice twist. And it didn't have to have that little twist at the end. It could have just been them leaving the, you know, leaving the theater and being like, hey, we're happy. You know, I'm over it. Right. And that's it. They could have had the credits after that little ending award scene. I'm glad they didn't. They added that on to the end. And I'm I was like. so glad they didn't, though. I think, I think, I think that scene, that, that ending scene makes, the, like, really ties the movie together like a fine rug. And it, it leaves unsettled. Yes. A little unsettled, and I like that. Good it's, choice, Mr. Mankowitz. Good yeah, choice. Oh, it's it, it's oh, it's so great. What um, I uh, the theater movies are a visual medium, so we like to be shown things. How do you feel about just being told that Margot is a great actress, that Eve put on a stellar performance, and never seeing it? I was going to ask you a very similar question. Okay. So remind me about that. Um, I think for the sake of the movie, they do have to just kind of fill it in for the mm-hmm. sake of time. You can't really watch a brilliant performance. But um, just on the speaking and not being told, I don't know how I feel about all the voiceovers. And I don't know how I feel about having more than one and having those two people be Addison DeWitt, who... I think should have been the only narrator, uh-huh. but having, but having Karen narrate part of it, I think is a little bit weakness in the script. That's just a little, a little a great bit. script. But I was going to ask you about that. What did you feel about the various narrators? It was a little unsettling at first, especially because there's, you hear Addison, you go, okay, uh, you, you're, you're hearing him. And then you don't see him for a while after they cut they cut back to uh, the the past timeline pre party. So that was a little weird, but uh, at the same time, you're listening to George Sanders narrate things. You're like, I could do this all day. Uh, just, if he please, could do just every audio book, 
Every oh. audiobook should be narrated by George right. Sanders. And the, as for the Karen thing, that was a little weird when she said, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a little, I'm gonna play a little joke on Margot and Eve." Like that felt like she could. Karen strikes Why me as hearing this. Yeah, Karen strikes me as a kind of as the kind of person who would talk to herself all the time. Mm-hmm. Like she could have just been like. Oh, okay. Or like she's writing, she's writing down something. Like you can this see is... the wheels turning in her head. Right, and I, I think, I think they added that just so the audience would understand that. Oh, Karen is fucking with them right now. Because again, audience, we've established Karen is the worst. Yeah, but you're supposed to kind, but you're supposed to like her. Right, you're supposed to like her because she's the one who's married. She's the one who's stand, who's standing by her man and try. She's trying to help her man because. Men, like there's this young hot new thing who's really talented and i could get more success and more more business more art out of her and you're like oh i just want to like karen you're just you're you're supporting the patriarchy you brainwashed lady you come on stop it it never gets her comeuppance no she doesn't she comes when she's about to confess it's so close it's it's very that was a little contrived you're like really that as soon as she's about to be like hey guess what i totally screwed your career (laughs) betty davis is like oh i'm giving up the theater i just want to be married to my man and she starts laughing like a psycho like a psycho not just a giggle oh yeah she knows because she she knows that she she knows the bullet she dodged was and she laughs about it She's well, it's not pretty just, funny. It's pretty funny. I was so, deep. She's like, ha, 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 isn't that funny? Dude, I was very tense. I was wondering, this is gonna be like Betty Davis is going to chew this lady apart. Ain't nobody can chew, can chew out a lady like Betty Davis. This is gonna be amazing. It never happened. I'm like, damn it. So missing out. Crap. She never tells off Eve either. She never no. really she lashes out at the playwright. And I was like, you know, out of everybody who needs a good tongue lashing, it shouldn't be the playwright. Not be no. What did what did Boyd ever do? Come on, come on. But but man, she's so good. One of my favorite scenes, and I just have to totally interject oh, this yeah. random thing, is when during that big thing where she comes late to the um, audition for the understudy, mm-hmm. and we're talking about Betty Davis, right? Yes. Okay. And and Bill whoever the one she's engaged to i bill and the playwright i get confused their names for some reason because they're the weak links in the movie let's face it they're not the interesting characters no no we're more interested like grabbing her shoulders and she's just like and she has all this energy and she's shaking and she's looking around and she's like i can't relax she's just so tense and it's just such great physical acting right still to make a point yeah, the the face she puts on mm-hmm. when uh, Addison goes in like by the way this, that Eve Harrington she put on a fabulous role it was like well, nothing I ever seen passion yeah yeah it's refined with passion and then then she goes in and is like oh sorry I'm like oh Eve wrote, uh, Eve wrote, Eve uh, read the role how'd that go and just like like she's playing it like she doesn't know like, like oh she's, she's, she's oh, here now where's Miss where's Miss Harding do by the way. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Oh, is she not here? Oh, you already read? Wonderful. How'd she do? And you're like, 
Betty Davis. You know what's going on. It's like, Betty Davis, you you make a great cop. You never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. I loved it. I also love George Sanders when she's coming in because he knows exactly what to say to push her buttons. And he does it effortlessly because he wasn't just like, oh, the audition's over. I mean, he was very like, she was amazing. She's the right age. Right. Start all this young, and he's just stoking the fire, and you're like George Sanders. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, he. I mean, he's a he's a he's a, an emotional manipulator. Like this is that is what he does. He knows he knows that age, the age ageism thing is always going to be present for not only Margot but for I mean, literally any actress that he will ever come across. So he just, he just twists, he just twists that knife so well, so expertly. You gotta he give him props. He should get a spin-off show or something because no. he was just amazing. I love George Sanders for yeah, the most part. Just, I, would love, I would love to read his column every week just to see yes. him just like take down everything. Cause you know, we love, we love good reviews. It's when they're, it's the juicy bad ones that. Like when the New York Times did that um, Guy Fieri restaurant, <laughs> which I've read several times. When I'm bored and need a laugh, I reread that thing. Nice. Or just, but or, we, it's, I sent you, a, I texted you afterwards and said he would own Twitter. He would have like 10 gajillion followers on Twitter. He would have a podcast. He'd have a blog. I mean, he'd have a YouTube channel. He would. Totally work today. Totally work today, and be very, very successful. Yes. Uh, like uh, he has, he has some great lines. Like, "You're too short for that gesture." When Eve is trying to walk out, oh. <laughs> no, say, he opens the door, goes, "Get out!" and points to the door, and he just, "You're too short for that gesture." Besides, yeah. it went out with Mrs. Fisk. <laughs> <laughs> it's. A, a very well deserved screenplay win for this one. Uh, it's frightfully, frightfully good. He might leave Karen, but he will not leave Karen for you. <laughs> Sorry, that's my terrible impression. But that entire monologue is like, get the popcorn out because it's so good. <laughs> You're maudlin and full of self pity. You're magnificent. Like, I had to pause the movie to write that down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's he's everyone everyone's got some great lines. Now we haven't really talked we haven't talked nearly as much as we uh, should about Betty Davis. She has this uh, great scene in the car when she's musing on getting old and you know where you know essentially a woman's place is that. They've they got ju- their fur coats on. They got fur coats on because because there's no heat, and it's it's actually really touching. And I was watching this going like, yeah, you like you you hear about Betty Davis being being an actress, and you never think that like oh she's like in, like she's acting acting. You always hear about like the feud show with Joan Crawford and, and everything, which I loved. Which, side note, I, I I never saw. I, I saw. I'm like I just I probably would not get into that for whatever reason, but I. You don't. You never really. I'd forgotten how great an actress she is. She sells that. Just this. She's tired and she's exhausted, and you feel as though women aren't aren't really tired in movies back then. They're you know supposed to be prim and proper and all and all this. And this is her letting her guard down. She's like, I'm scared. I'm like, I'm, she's, she's tired. And she's scared. And I think that she. And when she does the drunk, when she goes like, I 
hate men. <laughs> yeah. If he's 32, in 10 years he will still be 32. I hate men. It's it's all of those things. She's like 900 emotions, and you can see all of them with every line that she says. Yeah, and she she does she does this so well. She and she and Gloria Swanson do the aged starlet thing this year extremely extremely well. It's they're like goddesses this year. I mean, there's you don't get better than either one of those performances ever. Except perhaps Ann Baxter. What did you think of Ann Baxter as the titular Eve? I think she is very underrated in this movie. Yeah, she was nominated for an actress. But if you say all about Eve, you only think Betty Davis. And you sure. you go into it knowing Betty Davis is going to be amazing. Like I said, it's like when you see Meryl Streep where you just, you know she's going to be great. So it's you don't really anticipate it that much. But Ann Baxter really had a tough role. Because she really had to be, you had to hate her, but you had to fall for her bullshit at the beginning of the movie. Right. And she did such a good job that she always had that soft-spoken voice. Oh, I, I couldn't possibly. And that false modesty that she keeps up the entire time. That even though they start, the others start to figure out what's going on, the only one who really gets her number is George Sanders. And the only person who gives her her comeuppance is George Sanders, who's like, look, I know your bullshit story. I own you now. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't, because you never bullshit a bullshitter. Exactly. It's so, totally bullshit. But she keeps that mask on the entire movie. And you're she's really interesting to watch. She's not as flashy. She doesn't get as good lines, excuse me, as many good lines as Betty Davis does. Sure. But damn, she is very crafty. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did let Mr. Sampson know it was his birthday. I couldn't possibly forgive myself if I didn't, you know, just that aw shucks. She has it down, man. She is cold as ice. Yeah. Her, her, her first scene when she's outside the theater and Karen. The little hat on. Yeah, you're like, oh, and, that's, and then that story she tells them. You're like, oh. Like, war hero husband. Right. I go, all right. I'm like, I know this is bullshit. This has this has to be bullshit. There wouldn't be a movie if this was all true. But man, she is selling the shit out of this. Out of and this they all story. buy it. They and do it. because how do you not? It's such it's such a good story. It has everything. It, it has everything, but it also has that 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 touch of I'm here for you, Margot Channing. And Margot, like the best. Like how do you how do you make yourself look young, younger? You surround yourself with younger friends. And I think that I think that's also you know you make yourself look older sometimes. I don't. It's a it's a yeah. whole weird thing. But she just she just loves it and you know she feels feels sorry for this little I think it was a fawn or bunny or some mm -hmm. sort of like helpless animal and that. And Thelma Ritter, Thelma Ritter, in addition to George Sanders, is like I don't trust this bitch. Seriously, watch you gotta, your back. You got to listen to the help, but there wouldn't be a movie if. If we just listen to the Thelma Ritter, I was like, "Yeah, that's that's great, dear." Like, here's an autograph. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. Go do go do your thing. But she, man. But if if her performance had been convincing, the movie wouldn't be convincing. If she came across as weird or scary or creepy, we wouldn't be like, "Oh, of course Eve's going to take her in." We'd be like, "Why did she take this woman in? She's obviously." crazy manipulative or whatever right but the audiences at the time i don't think they realized that like we realize it now because that's how the like 
the crazy people are going to be extra nice we've to you. seen it done so many times right this is this is talented mr ripley for instance like yeah you're a little too into this this other person mm -hmm. like, and he's i feel like yeah like okay i've i've seen i've seen star wars a bunch if i went up to george lucas and be like and i, and I said i've seen star wars every day <laughs> for the last 20 years like He'd be right to be weirded the fuck out. If you say, I've seen every show performance of your show, like, thanks, but, like... Especially if... Like, do you not have anything else going on? Hey, like, you're going in there, man, and it's like you're dedicating part of your day, like, don't you have a job or whatever? Yeah, but how because we know, and we know situations where stuff like this has happened in real life. Yeah. But in 19... 50? Not so much. Not, not so and much. you didn't think women really could be conniving and stuff like that. Not There haven't been a lot of female roles like till that point. You know what I mean? Well, I think, uh, well, I think, I think Betty Davis and Jezebel was, was one. I'm, I'm, and, I, 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 am assu I am assuming that just based on the name. and like, that yeah, probably doesn't. You haven't seen it? I have not seen it. So it's, not, it's currently on Turner Classic Movies On Demand. Ooh. Just well, Just thank you. Out. I'm going to add that to the long list of things I need to watch. No, no, thanks to that you. That one's at the bottom of the list. It's okay. really not that great a movie. Well, it, well, it's a very long list for a reason. Okay, it's, it's fine. But you're right. We weren't, uh, you know, the world. Uh, you know, this is right after the war. We're trying to reestablish some sort of uh, status quo here. The world is not. The world doesn't want to believe that the women are, you know, can be conniving, can be snakes, you know, chameleons and whatnot. And I think it's. It's only recently that we're still starting to accept that women can be fuck ups and we terrible can. parents and on on screen on screen like <laughs> like everybody's everybody's a screw up in real life but like on screen they have to be like prim and proper but yeah you have the, the, the Anne Hathaways and Colossals who are just huge you know screw ups and whatnot that feel like uh, we're allowed to have that but first we needed to have yeah women can be dangerous as well and not just in a hitchcock movie you know any other movie they can be as well um finally the and ed the editing here I, I mentioned earlier that uh this movie in sunset boulevard kind of helped drag uh the post-war movies into the into the future i think that started certainly started with like the lost weekend and a lot of things what I, what the voiceover does help is that it helps play with time a little bit. You're able to go back and forth, and you're able to condense condense a lot of things. And they, I think, I think like the op the opening scene, I think is, is is the best part where they're it's Addison. He's explaining all the players, and it doesn't feel so just contrived. Like okay, we're just trying to catch you up with with the folks, so you can you can just you can just have fun. It it's very deliberate, and it makes for a far more entertaining. Uh, thing because the script is so is so powerful mm. and smart and Addison, again with the great George Sanders saying his lines, you know, you, you, he can describe anybody anyway, and you're like, you know, yeah, I'm 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 in on that. Do you? Uh, how do how do you feel technically about this movie? Is it uh, does it does it go by quickly? Did you feel yourself it it dragging? I feel at like point? it goes by very quickly. I definitely don't feel like it drags. The beginning with the exposition. I feel like if I hadn't seen it before, I try to imagine it like if I'm seeing it with fresh eyes. Right. At first, it is a little hard to keep track of the different characters. 
right. especially Bill and the playwright. For, like, I still they, in my head, like, they they're like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Like, they're just the guys, the playwright, the director. Like, they don't even really need names. And, um, and they really could have been played by, like, a lot of other actors in the movie, in my opinion, would have been exactly the same. Right. This is all about the ladies and George Sanders. But... I think it's necessary because you do need to understand that, especially But the one thing I love about the beginning is when he's talking about the characters. And if you haven't seen it, you're like, oh, there are no words shown. They're talking about Eve. And you look at the expression. So it's clearly someone that these people know. But you look at their expressions and they're all practically rolling their eyes. Right. No one's all like fresh and excited. And, oh, it's an awards show. And who's going to win? They all look like. Oh Jesus! When is this going to be over? Like I need a drink, and I think that's funny because you don't get why they feel that way till the end of the movie. Right, and then Eve's the Karen voiceover—that's the one. I'm like, no, that could be edited out. Yeah, we could be. Gonna... But we... Mank did this in another movie too. He did it in the Barefoot Contessa, where he had a oh. bunch of voiceovers going on, and it was kind of weird. And it's kind of a flashback. It starts off at a funeral, and then it goes back to tell the story. No, oh, maybe that's. Uh... I just wondered if it was like a Mankiewicz thing. It, it might be. We'll need to see more Mankiewicz things, uh, certainly. And, and Eve's speech at the end. I, I thought, oh, if I, if I didn't just see all that, I think this is a sweet speech. But man, you're exactly. a terrible person. Oh, They're all like, let's just get our coats and go. Yeah, and she's got that, that, that breathiness, the breathiness, that sort of Jackie Onassis thing, like, but it so, is in the whole so, movie. So she so keeps enticing. it up, though. They yeah. never see her lose that cool until we see it privately when that verbal assault. Yeah, was, George I, Sanders. We never see her lose her cool. Right. Ever. We, well, because we ne we never see her lose. But then Addison just goes in there and just shreds her like wet paper. It's awesome. And to see it, and and back like to see her cry. That felt. Like I admit, I felt a little good about that. I'm like fuck you. Seeing her and <laughs> and you're going to say this because you are a very sensitive feminist man, which we love about you. Yay. But I was, as a woman, I was able to kind of get a little chuckle, and when he like smacks her in the face, is like, don't ever laugh at me. Yeah. As a woman, I'm able to laugh. As a man, you have to think, isn't that awful? No, I no, I mean, from the outside, I go, yeah, that's like that wouldn't fly now, but. Like I get it, like, and when she kind of she like, oh, I don't want to say she deserved it, but she had it but coming. But that's not even the worst thing he does, though. But when she's on that bed and he's just bending over her, oh yeah, like, Trump, and she's like just flat on the bed, and then he stands up and like takes a puff of the cigarette, and he's like, "So are we gonna do this?" And she's just mumbling and still has her head covered. Yeah, yes, yeah, like, oh, you just hear her be like. Yes, Addison. But it's all muffled because her face is still like face down on a pillow because he just destroyed her verbally. Yeah, and it, not 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 only like destroyed her with with that like called out her bullshit, took over her life and is now like that's it's it's so brilliant. You want to see what happens after the door closes at the mm -hmm. end of the movie. I'm like, I would kill for a sequel to this film. I think that would just be freaking brilliant it's uh it's it's wonderful so um we are we are coming to the end of this do you have any more thoughts a little 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 notes you would like to add about all about eve i believe there is a book on the making of this movie called like the bitchiest movie ever made <laughs> 
because there were some divas and apparently there's some backstory gossip that's interesting okay okay that's I it, but i remember seeing the subtitle like the making of the bitchiest movie ever made and i was like i love that <laughs> i can i can i i, I would have loved to have been on set when uh marilyn monroe and betty davis were were there together because i from what from what what i gather monroe kind of blew her lines for a long time in that in that scene in the stairwell and davis was bullshit about it how mm, and you know what an, i mean but that's every single movie with, and with every Monroe single or? movie that Marilyn Monroe did. I believe it. Read about some like it hot, holy macaroni. Yeah. What they put up with from her. She wasn't even invited to the rap party. Whoa. Cool. All right. Well, a few, a, a few last things uh, that I noticed. Blood tests. Hilarious. That was still a thing. Forgot that it happened. That was a thing <laughs> before you got married. I don't even remember why. Was it some. Make like, sure you weren't related. Maybe I don't know. And uh, lastly, I loved how Lloyd, the writer, had a Central Park apartment overlooking Central Park. I'm like, I hope he kept on to that because that shit is worth a ton of money now. Playwrights cannot afford that anymore. <laughs> I don't care. Like, my, friggin' David Mamet could not afford a Central Park apartment over no. over overlooking the park at all. It's uh, it's. It's just funny how uh, times have changed here in, in New York City and, um, and, and all that. Uh, a personal question for you. Did this make you want to get... Is this one of the reasons you wanted to get into theater and Broadway? No, theater? believe it or not, no. Okay. Was this a warning then? You're like, oh, I, was, I was already well into theater by that point. Okay. Okay. But this was just one of those great... Such a great movie. It's just, it's really, with the, with the minor, with minor flaws, like, why does Karen have a voiceover right now? It's a perfect film. Okay. Well, uh, as perfect as some other movies that came out that year, but. We'll, 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 we can discuss that. But, uh, so are those, those are your final thoughts you want to, you want to add as to why, uh, did, did All About Eve deserve Best Picture? I, a hundred, I don't have a problem with the fact that it won in my humble opinion, it was not as perfect as another movie that came out that year. Rude. But I'm trying to be, the other movie is You're trying to be mysterious. I get it. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to show all my cards. There's, it's a great movie. It's a wonderful movie. I can't really argue that it won because it's not like a, how green was my valley where you're like, seriously, this piece of crap, one best picture. What's up Academy. It's right. like, you can't really argue all about Eve, but after talking about it, usually instead of talking about it and then I'm realizing how amazing it is, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, did she need a voiceover? The male characters are a little weak. It's less perfect than I remember it being. And there's really a movie that is perfect and really one of my personal just favorite movies of all time yeah. came out that year. I would actually have to agree. Again, that it won, I understand. And sure, like, I'm fine with Heavy competition from another movie, but you know there's a lot to there's a lot to there's a lot to say here that uh, I uh, I need to I need to see the other movie again. It's been uh, it's been like four or five years since I since I've checked it out. It's um, been weeks for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, oh, fair. don't you have kids? 
whatever. Anyway. I show it to my students. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. But uh, you know, there, there, there is a, there is a lot happening here. About certainly, if you are a cultural anthropologist of the post-war to like Vietnam period of American, uh, you know, American exceptionalism, as it were, this like is a great kind of look into the mores and taboos and how everything sort of works to uphold the way things are and can destroy a lot of people uh in this case like emotionally and and and, and whatnot but how it can still like that can still really mess some folks up like Margo does like Margo doesn't need to retire we just need to write Margo better roles like why should why why is her being a being married, she can still be married, and be an actress. Exactly. There's. I don't think this movie. I think this movie is far more dated than the other masterpiece that came out that year. Yes, but uh, as a, it's a anthropological curiosity. I, yes. I would. I would. I would. I would actually agree with that. Um, that and that, which is why I think you know, having watched it, go this is this movie is great, and I, I totally get it. But I also now I kind of understand why it's not as heralded. As even uh, one of its other, its one of its competitors, or a lot of other films from uh, from that time, like uh, On the Waterfront or From Here to Here to Eternity, or something like that. I also do not feel that Betty Davis was robbed of an Oscar. Mm. Had she won, I would have been like, "Oh, okay." But again, I don't think that was the best performance that year. Right. Someone, but someone else, someone was robbed. It was not Betty. Oh. So wrong. <laughs> well, uh, folks, you have been listening to Oscar Watch. Thank you so much for tuning in. We know this has been a long one. But we've had a good time here. If yeah. you agree with us, if you disagree with us about, about All About Eve, do write us at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to find us on social media at OscarWatchPod. Amy Thompson, where can folks find you? A Thompson 11 on Twitter. Yes. Next week. Obviously, we have something special. It is the 90th Academy Awards coming up. So we will be bringing you, at last, our picks right before the big show. Good times. And then uh, and then afterwards, we'll also have a breakdown of all of the drama. Because there's going to be a ton of drama this year. I guarantee it about what went down at the awards ceremony itself. But after that, we are going to... Hang out in 1950 for at least a little while longer. And, of course, we are going to bring you, for your reconsideration, Sunset Boulevard. And Amy's cheering. I'm cheering. Save my excitement. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you stick around. And until next time, we'll see you on the next one. I'll find nothing but faith in nothing. I want to put my tender heart in a blender. I want to